Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got you covered with up-to-the-minute reporting and analysis into the historic effort to remove President Trump from office. Today, in the House Judiciary Committee, Democrats laid out their case against the president. I've got two guests to help me break it all down for you. In a few minutes, we'll be joined by CNN legal analyst Michael Zeldin. But first, I'm joined by the man behind CNN's Impeachment Watch newsletter. That's your cue to sign up for it now if you haven't. CNN senior writer Zach Wolf. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. CNN.com slash impeachment, by the way. That's where you sign up. There you go. You don't want to miss it, everyone. It recaps everything uh, that is going on in this historic battle every day. Zach, um, the House Judiciary Committee hearing today, um, there's a brief pause in it right now. It has many more hours uh, still to go. Uh It's a little confounding to me what the goal of this hearing is and why it needs to take place. So can you start there and sort of tell us what is it that Chairman Nadler is trying to accomplish here that was not already accomplished by Schiff's report? Well, I think that you kind of have to view this. There's a lot of there's a lot of theater on Capitol Hill. And there's a lot of, you know, checking of boxes, I guess, for for lack of a better way to put it. We're kind of operating from the assumption that Trump will be impeached in the House and then there will be a trial in the Senate and he'll be acquitted. But there's a lot of little things that have to happen before that occurs. We had uh, witnesses give evidence before the House uh, Intelligence Committee. They wrote up a report. They offered that to the House Judiciary Committee. They heard about the, you know, last week about the constitutional basis for impeachment. And then this is essentially the closing arguments, um, I think, from the councils from the House Intelligence Committee sort of saying, here's what we learned in this process. And these are our closing arguments. And then if we're going to stick with the schedule, this week, we'll see articles of impeachment. They could be voted on, and then it could go to the full House next week. So if if you're kind of going by the acts of this play, that's where we're at. And is it clear to you what Democrats hope to accomplish with today's act? I think so much of this, so, you know, so much of this is just kind of summing up exactly what they said Trump did or what, you know, the pressure that Trump uh, applied to make that sort of, you know, translatable to people who might be on the fence if there are any of them left out there or people who aren't paying attention. I'm not sure those people tuned into this hearing. So a, a lot of it is, you know, just this is the bow on top. And then then they'll move from here to the officially writing these articles and amending them. Yeah, there, I, I agree uh, with what you're saying. It seems that they wanted to bring to life off of the pages of the Schiff Intelligence Committee report, but doing it with counsels from the committee uh, is not necessarily the the greatest television show on earth uh, to watch uh, as a way to do that. But I, I think that was their intended goal here. I know that Republicans would have loved to have seen Adam Schiff today and sort of put him on the hot seat. You know, I also just wonder if he may have been a more compelling uh, person to present the findings of the Intelligence Committee report uh, for the Democrats as well. Uh, not that these uh, lawyers aren't trying. I want you to hear uh, Barry Burke. He's counsel for the Democrats uh, about, as you said, sort of putting this summation of what they found forward to the Judiciary Committee. And the scheme by President Trump was so brazen, so clear, supported by documents, actions, sworn testimony, 
uncontradicted, contemporaneous records that it's hard to imagine that anybody could dispute those acts, let alone argue that that conduct does not constitute an impeachable offense or offenses. This is a big deal. Before I get you to weigh on that, uh, I want you to hear Republican counsel Steve Castor exactly make the argument uh, that Barry Burke was just describing, which is that this is not impeachable. Here's the Republican counsel, Castor. To impeach a president who 63 million people voted for over eight lines in a call transcript is baloney. Democrats seek to impeach President Trump not because they have evidence of high crimes or misdemeanors, but because they disagree with his policies. This impeachment inquiry is not the organic outgrowth of serious misconduct. Democrats have been searching for a set of facts on which to impeach President Trump since his inauguration on January 20th, 2017. Just 27 minutes after the president's inauguration that day, the Washington Post ran a story that the campaign to impeach the president has already begun. So what you hear here is not a Republican counsel saying the president did absolutely nothing wrong. He's making this is not impeachable uh, conduct argument. And what you hear from the Democratic counsel, I think, is we've got a rock solid case. Yeah. And that's kind of been where this has been. You know, we're on this essentially this collision course and we've been headed there for 75 days or whatever it is now, where either you think the application of pressure to a foreign head of state is wrong or not, because the facts are here. Um, essentially. And, you know, Steve Kasser d- doing his best, I guess, for, for Republicans is arguing it, the facts don't essentially don't matter because they've been trying to impeach him since he got elected. I, I think that doesn't completely comport with what I understood to be Nancy Pelosi's complete reticence uh, to impeach Donald Trump for a very long time. The lack of support of a a majority of Democrats to impeach him for a very long time. Um, I I think those two things sort of work against this narrative that they've been bent on this uh, since day one. But the, you know, the, the emergence of this act of in Ukraine and the whistleblower report and all these things that we've learned sort of falls in with this pattern of him doing everything he's done as president has been in the service of getting him himself reelected. And that that sort of has created this, this, you know, Donnybrook, if that's the right word, maybe not. And they couldn't not impeach him anymore. So I want you to hear what Senator Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, uh, told Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, because if you thought that it has just been accepted now by everyone uh, that Uh, It is a debunked conspiracy theory that Ukraine was the interfering actor in the U.S. 2016 election. It has apparently not been put to rest yet because Ted Cruz once again put it front and center yesterday. Here he is. Do you believe Ukraine meddled in the American election in 2016? I I do. And I think there's considerable evidence. You do? It, on the evidence, Russia clearly interfered in our in our election. But here's the game the media is playing. Because Russia interfered, the media pretends nobody else did. Ukraine blatantly interfered in our election. The sitting ambassador from Ukraine wrote an op-ed blasting Donald Do you Trump know why? during the election Do you season. Know why he- 
Zach, what do you make of what Ted Cruz is trying to do here? Um, I, I think that what this tells me is that the Ukraine conspiracy theory, and, and that's what it is, because, you know, otherwise, if you're, if you're saying what Ukraine did was on a par with what Russia did, it is belied by every single fact out there. But this is important to me because we cannot seem to get away from even entertaining this. And Ted Cruz is the single Republican who has been victimized personally by one of Donald Trump's conspiracy theories in the 2016 election. And here now he is in this role, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a leading Republican senator pushing a Donald Trump conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, it, it's like this this is everything coming around full circle for me. <laughs> I'm glad the irony is not lost on you uh, or now to our listeners as well. Zach, stay right there. We have plenty more to discuss. Uh, we're going to be joined by former DOJ official Michael Zeldin. He's a CNN legal analyst. He'll be here right after the break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Zach Wolf is still with me, and we're pleased to welcome CNN legal analyst Michael Zeldin. Thanks for being here, Michael. My pleasure. So uh, you are going to play the role of sort of the uh, judge's panel of all the lawyering we saw in House Judiciary Committee uh, today. I want you to hear the Democratic counsel from the House Intelligence Committee uh, making uh, the case for the four charges they are presenting basically against the president. Here is Democratic counsel Daniel Goldman. First, President Trump used the power of his office to pressure and induce the newly elected president of Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 presidential election for President Trump's personal and political benefit. Second, in order to increase the pressure on Ukraine, to announce the politically motivated investigations that President Trump wanted, President Trump withheld a coveted Oval Office meeting and $391 of essential military assistance from Ukraine. Third, President Trump's conduct sought to undermine our free and fair elections and poses an imminent threat to our national security. And fourth, faced with the revelation of his pressure campaign against Ukraine, President Trump directed an unprecedented effort to obstruct Congress's impeachment inquiry into his conduct. Michael, clearly Daniel Goldman meant $391 million uh, of military assistance to Ukraine, not $391. But other than that, uh, is this, as presented right there, the rock-solid case Democrats claim it is? Goldman presented the Democrats' theory of the case and provided the basis for what we will see in the articles of impeachment, which is to say the president made an illegal abuse of power solicitation of Ukraine to interfere in our elections. He then engaged in a pressure campaign, the quid pro quo, to make sure that the Ukrainians did that. And when he was caught, he covered it up by obstructing the congressional investigation. That's their argument. There is a factual basis for that argument, and I think that's what we will see next week in the Articles of Impeachment. So much of what Republicans have done to 
defend President Trump is about the process. And today that came through with repeated points of order, uh, with attacking the way uh, Democrats, uh, you know, published, um, you know, the, the phone data of Devin Nunes, the, the ranking member on the um, Intelligence Committee, uh, you know, interrupting of witnesses, just trying to turn this into something of a circus to, to sort of illustrate that this is not a serious process or make that point. Do you think that that sort of thing bleeds through to the the people watching at home? Um, is that a compelling argument for them at this point? If you want to find that, you can find that. If you want to look at the facts, it doesn't hold true because the president did something which violates what the founding fathers sought to avoid in the creation of the impeachment procedures. He made sure that Congress, in its separation of powers, oversight responsibilities, had the authority to investigate. He's denied them both. And now what he's doing essentially is pounding the table, making noise, and distracting. However, if you want to start from the standpoint of this president did nothing wrong, the Democrats have been out to get him since the beginning, this is about overturning the election, these muddied waters argument allow you a basis, a hook, if you will, to hang your hat on and say this is a bad process by bad people for bad purpose. I want you to hear another slice of the Republican argument. Uh, Steve Castor, the Republican counsel, uh, he doesn't go to the place of uh, he did nothing wrong here, but he does go to the place of um, it's not necessarily that the facts are in dispute. Maybe he argues they are a little bit. We, I think that they're, it's, they are not because the president sort of has told us out loud exactly what it is he was doing. But he does argue that the interpretation of those facts are in dispute. Here is Steve Castor. Overall, at best, the impeachment inquiry record is riddled with hearsay, presumptions, and speculation. There are conflicting and ambiguous facts throughout the record. Facts that could be interpreted in different ways. To paraphrase paraphrase Professor Turley from last week, the impeachment record is heavy on presumptions and empty on proof. Michael, isn't Castor right that these facts can be interpreted in different ways? He is, and that's what a Senate trial is all about. The Senate trial is to ascertain the credibility of the witnesses. So in the indictment phase where we are in the House, they are marshalling the facts, measuring it up against the impeachable standards that the Founding Fathers set forth, and determining that it creates a threshold for impeachment. Thereafter, the Senate will evaluate it to determine whether it is an impeachable offense for which the president should be removed or whether it's, to Castor's language, so riddled with controversy and conflict that it doesn't rise to the level that justifies his removal. That doesn't argue against impeachment. It argues against the outcome in the Senate trial. One of the things that Democrats are really grappling with right now is how broad to make these articles of impeachment and whether or not to, to, you know, illustrate that this is a pattern of behavior by bringing in elements of the Mueller report. Um, And that is hugely controversial amongst uh, more moderate members who say that that would be a distraction from the more easily understood elements of of Ukraine. Where do where what what would be your advice to them? Should they go broad or stay, you know, 
thin or what should, what should they do? Stick to Ukraine. They have to tell a story that the American people buy. And that story is pretty straightforward. The president made a call. He sought interference in the election. And then he tried to cover it up after his pressure campaign was revealed. If you resurrect Mueller, the number of Democrats who are going to be caught in an argument about whether this is correct or incorrect, whether it's impeachable or not impeachable, whether it meets the president's constitutional authorities to fire Comey and get rid of the Flynn investigation, will make it such that the American people will never understand what's going on here. So I favor narrow, straightforward, tell your story, and if the American people buy it, then you win. If they don't, you don't. Before we go, I just want to get a sense from you. Do you think, and what you've observed in the hearing thus far, and as I mentioned, there are hours to go here, but did either side poke holes in the opposing team's arguments? Not to my view. It seemed to me that the evidence that was presented on each side reinforced the view of each side. As to the people in the middle who are yet to decide, I don't think there was a compelling narrative on either side that's going to move them. And I think they're going to be stuck where they are now, which is undecided. And I don't think you'll see any polling switch after these hearings today. Okay. Michael Zeldin, Zach Wolf, thank you both so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new episode for you every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. While you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.